This is a reading of the account of the martyrdom of Polycarp. Polycarp lived from the years 70 to 155 AD. He was bishop of the Catholic Church at Smyrna. The martyrdom is told in the form of a letter sent from the church at Smyrna to the church in Philomelium. Before I start reading, I'm going to share a few points that may help you better understand the account. To skip to the beginning of the letter, reference the timestamps in the YouTube or podcast description box. This recording is available as both a YouTube video and a podcast. The name of the podcast in the YouTube channel is Revealed Name. The few points I want to share before I start my reading are these. 1. This martyrdom is a short account of the death of a devout Christian in the first century AD. At this time in history, Christians were persecuted. They were accused of being atheists, incestuous, and cannibalistic. In this account, you'll hear Christians referred to as atheists. They were called atheists because they didn't believe in the Greek gods. At one point, Polycarp says, Away with the atheists, by which, of course, he means those who don't believe in the one true God. But when they say atheists before then, they mean away with the Christians when they say away with the atheists. 2. The name Germanicus pops up, and you may be wondering, who's Germanicus? Well, Germanicus was a young martyr, for Polycarp was not the first martyr although his martyrdom is the first of which we have an account, besides the martyrdom of St. Stephen, which is in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Germanicus was a martyr known for his young age. He was about 16, and when he was told to renounce his faith because of how young he was, instead of renouncing his faith, he dragged the lion towards himself so that he could die for his faith even sooner. So now when you hear the name Germanicus, you know who that is. 3. This letter is narrative and action-packed, but the action doesn't start right at the beginning. There's a bit of an introduction, and remember that the form is that of a letter. So at the beginning, before getting to the story of Polycarp, they give a bit of an introduction, praising the martyrs that have come before. This introduction is a little bit more philosophical and a little bit harder to understand than the action-packed narrative that comes later. So I just encourage you, if, if at the beginning you're a little confused and you feel like you're not following the story, just hang in there because, because it won't be long until the action-packed narrative of the martyrdom of Polycarp begins. Thank you for listening. I'll now start the reading. The Martyrdom of St. Polycarp The Church of God which dwells in Smyrna, to the Church of God which dwells in Philomelium, and to all the dioceses of the Holy Catholic Church in every place. May the mercy, peace, and love of God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ be multiplied. We write unto you, brethren, the story of the martyrs and of blessed Polycarp, 
who put an end to the persecution, setting his seal thereto by his martyrdom. For almost all that went before so happened that the Lord might show forth anew an example of martyrdom which is conformable to the gospel. For he waited to be betrayed, as did also the Lord, that we might also be imitators of him, looking not only on our own things, but also on the things of others. For it is a mark of true and steadfast love to desire not our own salvation only, but that of all the brethren. Blessed and noble are all martyrdoms that happen according to the will of God. For we should act with discretion, leaving the power over all events to God. For who can fail to admire their nobility and patience and love of their master? Who being so torn with scourges that the framework of the flesh was laid bare to the veins and arteries within, showed such patience that the very bystanders felt pity and sorrow? while some reached so high a pitch of nobility that no sound or groan escaped them, making manifest to us all that in the hour of their torture the martyrs of Christ were absent from the flesh, or rather that the Lord was present and of their company. Fixing their thoughts on the grace of Christ, they despised the torments of the world, redeeming in one hour eternal punishment. And the fire of their inhuman torturers was cold to them, for their eyes were set on escape from the eternal fire which is never quenched, and with the eyes of the heart they looked upon the good things reserved for them that endure, which ear hath not heard, nor eye seen, neither have they entered into the heart of man. But they were revealed by the Lord unto them who were no longer men but already angels. Likewise, those who were condemned to the beasts endured terrible torments, having harrows laid beneath them and being tormented with other kinds of manifold tortures, that the devil, if he could, might through the continual torment turn them to deny their faith, for he devised many things against them. But, thanks be to God, he did not prevail against all. For the noble Germanicus gave strength to their cowardice by his own fortitude, who made a notable fight with the beasts, for when the proconsul endeavored to prevail upon him, bidding him take pity on his own youth, he with violence dragged the wild beast toward him, wishing to be rid the sooner of their life of unrighteousness and sin. At this, all the multitude, wondering at the nobility of the people of Christ, who were beloved of God and honored him, cried out, Away with the atheists! Seek Polycarp! But one, Quintus by name, a Phrygian just arrived from Phrygia, lost heart when he saw the beasts. He it was who constrained himself and some others to come forward of their own motion. Him the proconsul, after much entreaty, persuaded to take the oath and offer sacrifice. Therefore, brethren, we do not commend those who give themselves up, for this is not the teaching of the gospel. The excellent Polycarp, on hearing the news, was not dismayed, but wished to remain in the city. But the greater number urged him to depart secretly. And so he did, to a little farm, not far from the city, and passed the time with a few companions, doing naught else but pray, night and day, for all and for the churches throughout the world, as was his custom. And while praying he fell into a trance three days before he was taken, and saw his pillow being consumed by fire, 
and he turned and said to those with him, I must be burned alive. While his pursuers were still waiting for him, he went away to another farm, and immediately they followed close upon him. Not finding him, they laid hands on two slaves, one of whom confessed under the torture. Now it was impossible Polycarp should escape, since his betrayers belonged to his own household. And the justice of the peace whose lot it was to bear the same name as Herod, was in a hurry to bring him into the stadium, that he, being made partner with Christ, might fulfill his lot, and his betrayers might meet the same punishment as Judas. Taking the young slave with them, the constables and horsemen, armed in the usual way, went out on the preparation about the dinner hour, as against a thief at a run. Coming up in a body late in the day, they found him lying in a cottage in an upper room. He could indeed have escaped from thence also elsewhere, but he refused, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Hearing then that they were come, he went down and talked with them, those present marveling at his great age and his constancy, and at their excessive eagerness to take a man so old. So he bade food and drink to be set before them at that hour, as much as they wanted, and besought them to give him an hour to pray undisturbed. On leave being given, he stood and prayed, being so full of the grace of God that for two hours he could not once be silent. And the hearers were astonished, and many repented for having assailed an old man so godlike. When at length he ended his prayer, after remembering all that ever had dealings with him, great and small, well-known and unknown, and the whole Catholic Church throughout the world, the time having now come for his departure, they set him on a donkey and brought him to the city, it being a high Sabbath. He was met by Herodes, the high sheriff, and by Herodes' father, Nicetes, who, having transferred him to the carriage, sat down beside him and strove to persuade him with these words. What is the harm of saying, Caesar is Lord, and offering incense, with more to this effect, and saving your life? At first he made no answer, but when they persisted he said, I do not intend to do as you advise me. Failing to persuade him, they reviled him, and made him descend with so much haste that in getting down from the carriage he hurt his shin. He, as though nothing had happened, paid no heed, but went on quickly with much eagerness on his way to the stadium, where the din was so great that none could be so much as heard. As Polycarp entered the stadium, there came a voice from heaven, saying, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. None saw the speaker, but the voice was heard by those of our brethren who were present. When he was brought in, thereupon a great din arose as soon as they heard, Polycarp is taken. So the proconsul asked him whether he were the man, and when he said yes, he tried to persuade him to deny his faith, saying, Have respect to your age, and other such things as they were used to say. Swear by the fortune of Caesar, repent, say away with the atheists. Polycarp, gazing with a steadfast countenance on all the crowd of lawless heathen in the stadium, waved his hand to them, sighed, and looking up to heaven, said, Away with the atheists. 
when the proconsul pressed him further and said, Swear and I set you free. Curse Christ. Polycarp answered, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he did me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king that saved me? When the proconsul persevered, saying, Swear by the fortune of Caesar, Polycarp answered, If you vainly imagine that I shall swear by the fortune of Caesar, as you say, and suppose that I know not what I am, hear a plain answer. I am a Christian. If you wish to learn the Christian's reason, give me a day and listen. The proconsul said, It is the people you must convince. Polycarp answered, I would have counted you worthy to be reasoned with, for we have been taught to give honor, as is fit, where we can without harm, to governments and powers ordained by God. But the people I do not deem worthy to hear any defense from me. The proconsul said, I have beasts, and to them I will throw you, unless you repent. Bring them in, he answered, for repentance from the better to the worse is no change to be desired but it is good to change from cruelty to justice. The other spake again to him, If you despise the beasts, I will have you consumed by fire, unless you repent. You threaten me, answered Polycarp, with the fire that burns for an hour, and is speedily quenched, for you know nothing of the fire of the judgment to come, and of eternal punishment which is reserved for the wicked. Why delay? Bring what you will. While speaking these and many other words, he grew full of confidence and joy, and his face was filled with grace, so that it fell out that not only was he not troubled by the things said to him, but on the contrary, the proconsul was amazed, and sent his own herald to proclaim thrice in the midst of the stadium, Polycarp has confessed himself to be a Christian. Upon this proclamation of the herald, the whole multitude of heathen and Jews that dwelt in Smyrna cried aloud in ungovernable fury. This is the teacher of Asia, the father of the Christians, the destroyer of our gods, who teaches many not to sacrifice or worship. So saying, they shouted, beseeching Philip the Asiarch to let loose a lion on Polycarp. However, he said it was not lawful for him to do this, as he had concluded the wild beast combat. Then they thought good to cry with one voice that Polycarp should be burnt alive, for it must needs be that the vision revealed to him on his pillow be fulfilled, when in prayer he saw it aflame, and turning to the faithful who were with him said in prophecy, I must be burned alive. This then was brought about with great speed, more quickly than words can say the crowd gathering together forthwith from the shops and baths, wood and fuel, the Jews being particularly zealous in the work, as is their custom. When the pyre was ready, he put off all his upper garments and undid his girdle and endeavored to take off his shoes, which he had not been used to do before because all the faithful used to contend with one another who should first touch his body. For even before his martyrdom, he was treated with all honor for the goodness of his life. So he was immediately girded with the things devised for his burning, but when they were about to nail him to the stake as well, he said, Leave me as I am, 
For he that enabled me to abide the fire will also enable me to abide at the stake unflinching without your safeguard of nails. So they bound him without nailing him. And he, with his hands bound behind him like a choice ram taken from a great flock for sacrifice, an acceptable whole burnt offering prepared for God, looked up to heaven and said, Lord God Almighty, Father of thy well-beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the knowledge of thee, God of angels and powers and of the whole creation and of all the race of the righteous who live before thee, I bless thee that thou didst deem me worthy of this day and hour, that I should take a part among the number of the martyrs in the cup of thy Christ to the resurrection of life eternal, of soul and body in incorruption of the Holy Spirit, among whom may I be accepted before thee today, a rich and acceptable sacrifice, as thou didst foreordain and foreshadow and fulfill, God faithful and true. For this above all I praise thee, I bless thee, I glorify thee, through the eternal and heavenly High Priest Jesus Christ, thy well-beloved Son, through whom to thee with him and the Holy Spirit. Be glory, now and forevermore. Amen. When he had offered up the Amen and finished his prayer, those who had charge of the fire set light to it. And a great flame blazing forth, we to whom it was given to behold, who were indeed preserved to tell the story to the rest, beheld a marvel. For the fire forming a sort of arch, like a ship's sail bellying with the wind, made a wall about the body of the martyr, which was in the midst, not like burning flesh, but like bread in the baking, or like gold and silver burning in a furnace. For we caught the most sweet perfume, like the breath of frankincense, or some other precious spice. At last, when the impious people saw that his body could not be consumed by the fire, they gave orders that a slaughterer should go and thrust a dagger into him. This being done, there came forth a dove, and such a gush of blood, that it put out the fire, and all the throng marveled that there should be so great a difference between the unbelievers and the elect, one of whom was the most admirable martyr, Polycarp, an apostolic and prophetic teacher of our time, and bishop of the Catholic Church in Smyrna. For every word that he uttered from his mouth was fulfilled then, and shall be fulfilled hereafter. But the adversary, the malicious and wicked one who is the enemy of the race of the just, seeing the greatness of this witness and the blamelessness of his life from the beginning, and that he was crowned with the crown of immortality, and had won a prize beyond gainsaying, made it his business that we might not even recover his body, though many were eager to do so and to touch his sacred flesh. At any rate, he suggested to Nesetas, the father of Herodes and the brother of Alce, to entreat the proconsul not to give us his body, lest, said he, they should abandon the crucified and begin to worship him. The Jews made the same suggestions, with much vehemence, who also watched the body, when we were about to take it from the fire, not knowing that we can never abandon Christ, who suffered for the salvation of those who are being saved throughout the whole world, the sinless for sinners, nor can we worship any other.
for him being the son of god we adore as disciples and imitators of the lord and rightly for their unsurpassable loyalty to their own king and master may it be granted us to have partnership and fellow discipleship with them so the centurion seeing the contentiousness of the jews set him in the midst and burnt him according to their custom so we later took up his bones being of more value than precious stones and more esteemed than gold and laid them apart in a convenient place there the lord will grant us to gather so far as may be and to celebrate with great gladness and joy the birthday of his martyrdom in memory of those who have fought the good fight before us and for the training and preparation of those to come such is the story of blessed polycarp who with the eleven from philadelphia was martyred in smyrna and is more particularly remembered by all so that he is spoken of in every place even by the gentiles having been not only a famous teacher but also an illustrious martyr whose martyrdom all desire to imitate as being after the pattern of the gospel of christ having vanquished by his patience the unjust ruler and thus received the crown of immortality he rejoices greatly with the apostles and with all the just and glorifies the almighty god and father and praises our lord jesus christ the savior of our souls the pilot of our bodies and the shepherd of the catholic church throughout the world you indeed made request that the events might be described to you at greater length but we for the present have declared them to you in brief by our brother martian on receiving this send on the letter to the more distant brethren that they may glorify the lord who makes choice of his own servants to him that is able to bring us all by his grace and bounty to his eternal kingdom through his only begotten son jesus christ be glory honor power and majesty for ever and ever salute all the saints those with us and eurestus the writer of this with his whole house salute you the blessed polycarp was martyred on the second day of the first part of the month xanthicus on the seventh day before the calends of march on a high sabbath at the eighth hour he was taken by herodes when philip of tralles was chief priest in the proconsulship of statues quadratus in the everlasting reign of jesus christ to whom be glory honor majesty and a throne eternal from generation to generation Amen.